0: This is GSAP Conversations from the Graduate School of Architecture, Planning, and Preservation at Columbia University in New York City. I'm Dean Amal Andraos. Thanks for listening. I'm Jarrett Lay, a dual degree graduate student in the Master of Architecture and Critical Curatorial and Conceptual Practices in Architecture programs here at Columbia GSAP. Today I'm speaking with Camilo Restrepo-Ochoa of Agenda in advance of his lecture at the school on February 5th. Agenda Agency de Arquitectura was founded by Camilo and Juliana Gilegio-Martinez in 2010 in in Colombia. The practice operates at a crossroad between tropical conditions, history, and disciplinary matters with special attention to uncertain conditions as a response to specific realities and context. Camilo was a guest lecturer at Harvard Graduate School of Design from 2014 to 2017. He was also nominated for the MCAT Prize and BSI Prize in 2014 as one of the, of the three finalists of the Rolex Mentor-Protege 2012 program. Thank you for speaking with me today. I'd like to start off with the theme of the tropics. Your work often contemplates the tropics and its relationship to architecture. And I'm, I'm wondering if you could speak to what's at stake for you in this work
1: and in any these questions. Well, I guess that the matter of the tropic has two different lines on how we are approaching it. One is this idea of breaking down the cliche of the tropic because we tend to believe that the tropic, it's this salty, beautiful, bluish beach. But we tend to forget that the tropic is this mixed of uh, climates and conditions such as the andes mountains in the case of latin america so that allows you to create a very different variation of architecture the same that appears to be in the beach is not the same that could operate up in the mountains so that forces you to take very different positions toward context technology materiality so that allows you to be let's say fit in a way to understand how does architecture perform under this context. That's one side. On the other side, at the same time, I guess, tropical architecture has been misunderstood for the history of architecture for many years because it's been overlaid below, a, let's say, a more northern way of understanding architecture. So when we think about tropical architecture, then we th- we believe that it's made by the hands or very crafted or somehow with a kind of a logic that it's made to be socially engaged all the times. And I think that there are certain ways that the history of architecture and the tradition of modern architecture will connect very precise with uh, tropical architecture. For example, in the instance of the work of Mies van der Rohe, where the specificity of the elements create this ambiguous space. And I'm pretty much interested in the ambiguity of conditions of space, but played by very specific role of the elements that you're not trying to trick anybody with tricks of gravity or mass or weight, but more of how you can be extremely precise on the elements, but at the same time create a very dilated space that it's very long and that takes you between inside and outside on a long process so that you create these thresholds that are expanded and react very well to the tropic conditions
0: in your work do you see it is it is it precisely both operating with that keen eye towards the composition and con- agile control of elements as well as making known and explicating this misunderstood history do you see that as part of your practice
1: as a whole yes i think especially in the case of ourselves coming from colombia we are not we don't have a strong heritage as peru or mexico could claim or we don't have a European influence, as perhaps Argentina could tell. We are more close to, let's say, a Brazilian kind of approach, without the masters, without the Brazilian masters. So let's say we are missing a gap of history on how to engage not only contemporary architecture, but how to create this narrative that will take you from one place to the other one, or create a thread that will be useful, not only for the sake of history, but also for the sake of the discipline. So in this sort of urgency of
0: heritage, do you ever find yourself having the opportunity to redefine the scope of architectural production? Or is it always in what we might call capital A architecture that you find that that heritage needs to be constructed?
1: Well, we, we, we understand architecture as a, as a practice with cultural value, not as a real estate operation. So into that direction, I think we, we are committed. To understand where we intervene, for whom we work for, what's the role of our projects, not only in the immediate context, but also out of it. So how these narratives, these different layers of narrative take place at the same time in a very complicated, let's say, condition. Because we deal with this interest in our practice, uh, jumping from very rural conditions where architecture is, let's say, rather new. Or into the city, into the urban conditions where many times happen at the same time. Let's say that spot of the city lives, let's say, in a contemporary condition where people it's educated, people speak different languages, but then a couple of blocks from that, you're doing a project where people doesn't even have access to a proper education. So how to expand this thread or this line of performing architecture with a cultural value, but it's also able to produce a certain kind of welfare around it without falling into the nostalgia of having to say it's a social architecture.
0: Returning quickly to the theme of of the tropics, I'm I'm curious about across two recent uh, exhibition installations, one tropical uh, canonical in Mexico and then the other at the Chicago Biennial, misunderstandings you really work with the exhibition format as a way of explicating these concepts of the tropic in your work and I'm curious about how you approach this differently from the work of permanent built works like those of you just described various rural and urban context in short how does the curatorial space of the exhibition figure into your work as a practice
1: yeah well we 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 believe that every Every space is subject to a transformation, and I think the role of architecture plays that very well. How to transform a space, how to create an experience that previously was not there. In that sense, our installations, as our architecture tries to engage with these conditions. For example, for Chicago, we had a very narrow and very long hallway, pretty much like a bridge connecting two parts of the building. Let's say a a very much anonymous place with no interest i will say but by creating this atmosphere by inserting this small niche type of uh, sets of curtains we created a place we create we created intimacy we created public realm in the way that people could discuss something that previously wasn't there and marked a point on how to build a discussion for for mexico for liga for the other exhibition, it was much more atmospheric in the sense that the, the curtains were printed on silk, not in velvet, as in Chicago. So that had a transparency. And with that transparency and the way the floor plan was performing, it was much more abstract in the sense that it had a, a floor plan belonging to the Zonspeak Pavilion by Aldo van Eyck. So it had, a let's say, it had architectonic roots in its order, in the way it created space but then it was all altered by, not only by the transparency and the material, but also of its flexibility, by being able to move with the wind. uh, It was near a door, so the wind came in, moved, so it was always changing with the light of the day, with the way it created layers from the windows, so it was more responsive to a place, while Chicago was much more about creating a place in itself. It was, and, and I guess our work moves between these two lines, How do we engage with a project and how that project creates a site in itself, which previously perhaps didn't exist or created relations that previously we didn't notice, but at the same time, how we respond to something that it's already there, that people believe it's their heritage, their culture, their values, and how architecture, let's say, gives value to these things that perhaps pass under the table that nobody notices, but we highlight them by making an emphasis in something that is already there.
0: And through that, do you thread this theme of the tropic then, this sort of ambiguity that you refer to, that sort of, if you will, inherent sort of disputing of binaries of inside-outside, for example, and a certain deliberate ambiguity, if you will.
1: Yes, yes. I guess I guess that somehow European and Northern thought has been always about these black and white, you know, eh, about this dichotomy sometimes. But I guess that the tropic brings us a very different approach to things, which is that black and white happen at the same time, as the same time gray may happen. So it's everything at the same time. So that creates a threshold that is very interesting because it creates this kind of a space that it's a tense condition of here and now, but before and after and past and present, everything happens at the same time. I guess literature has been more explicit in explaining these kind of situations. Literature and poetry are more explicit in engaging this condition of this hybrid, tense, dynamic condition. Architecture seems it's, in the end, just a building that it's built. Then resources are more limited. But then you, you play with the borders, you play with the core, you play with the lines, with the frontier, the border, and then you begin to make that system more open to what's outside and also to what happens in the side already. So I, I guess it's our architecture tries to bring this third order, that it's either black or white, but it's black and white at the same time at the same time. Sometimes being grey, sometimes being just black and white at the same time. Is this possibility for a third order
0: that brings us nicely into something you briefly remarked on earlier which is uh, speaking of architecture in terms of cultural production cultural value and identity i'm curious how you arrived at the turn at these terms for for an architectural practice for the third order and for the third order yeah. and, and more broadly this sort of con- this sort of uh, common language of cultural production adding cultural value
1: yeah well i, th- I think that architecture it's this discipline that it's wonderful in the sense that it brings many disciplines together, but in the end, its response, it's architecture itself, belonging to the discipline. It's, it's like a train station where things meet and depart all the time. So in that sense, we, we strongly believe that architecture is the design of relationships in space, much more than giving shape to the void, so when you believe that you are putting relations together, that they match, they coincide in a, in a building, in a built structure, that it's making also a clear difference between artificial and nature, uh, making a clear division of politics, sociology, but that in the end is this building where things happen in a certain way. I guess in that sense, architecture is always a very optimistic discipline. Because it's always trying to put things together rather than tearing them apart. And coming from that idea, we, through some readings and, and different authors, you, you realize how this is possible to engage with, for instance, the work of uh, Homi Baba about um, the hybrid space, or where, where he points out the idea or reflects more on the idea of difference rather than diversity. That, that brings a very different perspective on how we engage into things. Because when you, when you try to be diverse, you are somehow being politically correct to let everybody get into the group. While when you mark the differences, you are willing to negotiate that border, that limit. And I guess in that negotiation is where this hybrid space appears, where this uh, possibility of being more democratic, more itself... It's where architecture it's very open to these conditions in a in a in extremely philosophical way, but let's say I'm much more interested in the the, the disciplinary frame of it, in more constrained I would say in architecture for architecture. Of course, with the um, need of beauty somehow, beauty it's important.
0: So it's interesting because I mean this I mean your work very clearly resonates within this very precise frame of disciplinary, that disciplinary space of architecture, right? Like going back to the curtains, for example, where both speaking to their context in different ways, etc., but always calling attention to the means and modes of architectural production and composition and elements um, thereof. At the same time, you've also mentioned earlier how architecture's relation to that of, of welfare and, and a certain social or political efficacy to the work, right, and in in some senses, your work is kind of accumulating around this question of architecture's political agency, as both a broader conceptual framework of production as well as an instrument of political actors. And it's interesting because I how you've been careful to inscribe architecture's agency within larger political institutions specifying it always as an instrument not as an independent agent and i was wondering if you could expand on how you arrived at this qualification of the of architecture's agency
1: yeah i guess i guess i became a little bit disenchanted or disappointed in the last years about too much too much discussion i would say or too much expectations about how can architecture solve the problems of the world somehow so the discipline for a while claimed that a building change a landscape a building change a neighborhood a building change a society and uh, when you when you look into it in a more detailed way you see that before all that either we like it or not it's politicians and that's our greatest curse of this age that still we depend on politicians. It depends on how we choose who leads us and who will take us somewhere else. Because it's these people that have the power to pull the strings, the right or the wrong strings, to go toward one direction or another direction. And then architecture becomes just a tool. It's just a system on how to give materiality to these policies. So when we try to compare architecture with politics, in that sense, it doesn't work. Architecture is a servant and it has always been. And I don't see other way of being out of that logic because we need a client. We need somebody to pay for our thoughts. And that's our biggest curse.
0: Is there any particular projects or moments when you came to sort of confronting the limit of what you perceive as the agency of architecture?
1: As with the client? Maybe maybe in particular, yeah, a client. You see, I mean, you, you see the power of architecture, of course, giving something to people that previously wasn't there. For example, it's amazing to see all these coffee families that uh, we attended with our coffee processing facilities to see more or less 1,200 families going and bringing the coffee there, enjoying the building, enjoying a shade as simple as that, just waiting on the shade to deliver the coffee. That creates an enormous comfort in a place where it previously what didn't exist, right? But then you see that how limited it is, in the sense that if it wasn't for the CEO of the company that chose to re-engage these facilities from a different perspective and create value out of just having a kind of a completely enclosed box, as it used to be for the last years, then you had to struggle to convince people that architecture can change reality. So you have this very ambiguous relationship with your clients, with the world, in the sense that you know the power of it, but you need to convince many people to be able to do what you believe needs to be done, that without doing it, it's impossible to explain. Once it's built, it's there, then everybody believes in it it's like selling these kind of illusions right so you i constantly have this feeling of disappointment or disengagement with um, in relation with what we want to do what we know it's the power of what we do but it takes a lot of time so it's it's complicated
0: it's fascinating because it, your your thoughts hit it at a really complex tension between say the agency of architecture versus the agency of the architect, right? And it kind of seems like you're playing between the two poles, right? Because in, you are defending a specific agency of architecture, but it's the agency of the architect herself that yeah. is that is that question here.
1: I, I guess you have to play both roles. Sometimes I guess we architects, we play the Trojan horse and we need to, because once you believe architecture has this cultural value, it's very hard to tell a client or somebody to pay you to create culture out of it. Mm-hmm. Because architecture most of the time, especially in Colombia, I'm not saying somewhere else because I don't know it, but in Colombia, architecture is seen as putting a building together, that's it. Mm-hmm. As solving a problem, maybe with a shade, maybe to provide shade, maybe to let kids go to school in a better facility than before, but. Not much more than that. For instance, Colombia has never been into Venice biennial. That means how the government, the national government, understands what's the value of architecture. That means none, zero. Mm -hmm. Paradoxically, we have a very, very, very strong public competition system sponsored by the national government. So you move between these two dialectic situations. On one hand, you are able to provide with very democratic spaces with high quality, on the other hand, once you want to be- this information become of cultural value, of create attention or a relation of discussion with the public realm, it doesn't happen. Museums don't exhibit architecture in Colombia, either galleries. So there is this broken frame there that doesn't allow to have this in between of the architect as an agency and architecture as an agency, because they work different, but at the same time they belong to the same coin, let's say, different sides of the same coin. So then you have um, one side that has nothing.
0: Do you see, uh, are you optimistic about those sort of culturally valued modes of architectural discourse within Colombia? I mean, is something there on the rise? Like, Do you see a time in which that will, that Colombia will be in the Venice Biennial?
1: I guess the day will come. It depends a lot on... Who are the politicians that are leading us? Who are we choosing to be the politicians to lead us? And uh, how are we as architects really concerned on being respected into that realm? Because I believe that we don't do too much to occupy those spaces in our country. So we let those spaces be taken by somebody else. So I think it's also a matter of our professional association as Mm -hmm. we as practicing architects with cultural values we need to get together and and do it ourselves nobody will do it for us
0: To you i'm curious before you were mentioning the degree to which to a fault you felt that architecture was circumscribed in systems of of problem solving to what degree do you think that you can attribute that to this politics of conflict more broadly? That architecture was always deployed to solve a problem, and and how does that how does that resonate now? Is just sort of in this moment of, of finding new new grounds, new coordinates for for architecture, but also largely cultural participation.
1: Well, I guess in Colombia we are in terms of uh, social infrastructure, we are fallen behind uh, thirty or forty years, and now that all these rural areas have been open, that previously were completely forbidden because of the guerrilla or the conflict and all these small towns i guess the role architecture can play now it's create more democratic open spaces for everybody to conciliate these wounds that war has left in our Mm -hmm. conscious and in our everyday life so i guess now you begin to see it uh, in many places for example we just finished a public school that i'm going to show today it's in the middle of a um, informal settlement. And when you, when you see what the school was there be, be, before, it was impossible to learn under those circumstances. But then the school becomes like a monument in the sense that it gives sense and order to a place that previously didn't have any order. So it becomes this kind of, let's put it this way, like this kind of Gothic church where people meet what has a meaning for people very much into becoming a primary element in a Rossi way somehow. So you see the role of architecture happening into that direction. Many colleagues of mine have worked with much more buildings than I've done into that area. Uh, In certain schools, kindergartens, parks, I don't know, uh, sport facilities, into places where previously was nothing. Then that's a way of um, making... A statement of a government how does the state the national state government has a presence in a place where previously was none or previously the presence was weapons military soldiers deployment so that changes the role of the state the face of the state becomes something else and i think architecture can play a very interesting role
0: well great thank you so much for speaking with us today we really appreciate
1: it thank you very much Pleasure.
0: This podcast was produced by Columbia GSAP in collaboration with ARC Daily. We launched a new series of podcasts called Constructing Practice, in which young architects from around the world speak about their motivations, challenges, and what it means to start a new practice in their respective context. Look for it on iTunes and find more information about the school on our website at arc.columbia.edu.